It was the summer of 2001. I was peacefully napping on the couch when I awoke to a loud thud followed by screams and crying in the house. I jumped up from the couch. I ran to see what was all the commotion. And I saw my daughter, Marissa, who was three at the time. She had blood all over her face. She had been in the bathroom, and she was pulling herself up with the, on the drawer handles, and the drawer slid out, and it smacked her right in the head. Now, her sister, Courtney, was eight at the time, and she was paralyzed with fear. Their mother was screaming hysterically, and my mother-in-law had her crazy dialed all the way up to ten. I knew that I needed to act quickly. Now, the top TV shows in 2001 were Survivor and ER, so I knew I had this one covered. Now, I quickly put on my sandals. I rushed in and I swooped my daughter up in a heroic act of bravery, and I took her to the hospital. Now, the good news, the cut wasn't near as bad as what we thought it was. But the bad news was the way that I was being treated. You see, people wouldn't stop staring at me. And I'm starting to get defensive. And I'm starting to think, do these people think that I had something to do with my child getting hurt? I mean, everyone I saw, they either snickered at me, they pointed at me, they laughed at me. Someone even hit on me. I was starting to think that I was like on candid camera or something. And finally, this nurse walks in, and she says, nice color, it matches your shirt. And at that moment, I remembered that prior to my nap, I had allowed my girls to paint my fingernails and my toenails a very, very bright red. (laughs) Yep. You know, things don't always go as planned. There are a lot of ways in life that things can go wrong. Sometimes they can be embarrassing. Sometimes things can be funny. But other times, other times in life when things don't go quite as planned, things can be painful. Things such as dating problems, marriage problems, job issues, financial issues, health issues, parenting struggles. You don't plan these things. No one plans to be a person that has a hard time trusting others. Nobody plans to be a person that can't say no. And they're just like always controlled by guilt. Or maybe that's stuck in a bad habit. Or trapped in an addiction that's causing damage in your life. Life can be painful. And you know, I think it's in these moments when we, we have a tendency to reach out to God. Psalm 147 verse 3 He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I think that deep down 
in each one of us, we know this to be true. That God is a healer, that God wants to heal, that God has designed things so that he can. I mean, even non-praying people seem to pray when things aren't going very well. So we reach out to him, we pray, we seek his word, maybe we make church more a little more of a priority when things aren't going very well for us. But I think that there is another piece that God provides when life doesn't work right. And I think that we often miss this piece. And this piece is a process called recovery. See, recovery means to return something to its normal state. For example, if you have surgery, you go to a doctor to get operated on and hopefully you make a full recovery. You go from damaged back to normal. And recovery is designed to get you back to your normal state. And some people have a crazier normal than others. We know that to be true. But that's how God created each one of us. In a unique way, we're wired to be different. And we're wired to do things differently. See, God has created each one of us in a certain way because he has a certain plan for each one of our lives. It's a path that he has designed for each one of us. And it's his elaborate plan. Let's look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. So God has a particular race, a unique plan for each one of us. See, when God designed you, he designed you in a particular way for a particular reason so that you can fulfill the particular plan that he has for your life. God has designed you to get from point A to point B. And he has designed you to be able to do this in a way that makes you happy. To be able to do this in a way that fills your life the way you were designed with joy. And this plan comes with instructions. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Everything goes better with instructions. For example, oh, bunch, you had one job to do. One job. Here's another example. Let's say that I want to go from Muncie to Winchester. That's my plan. So I need a path. 
So I take out my phone, the GPS. I punch in Winchester. It's going to map out my plan. It's going to have me take 32 east to farmland. Turn right where 32 and Highway 1 come together. You're going to pass the chocolate moose. Right outside of town, you're going to continue east to farmland. Estimated time of arrival, roughly 30 minutes. So this is the best route to get from point A to point B. Now granted, there's things that can happen. Things that are going to be out of my control. If there's an accident. If there's a roadblock. Something like that. But for the most part, this is the route that has been designed for me to travel. Now let's say that I decide... I don't want to follow that plan. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go east and then south just to go east again. I'm going to make a straight beeline right there. That's going to be my path. So I go off the road. And I make my own path. I don't need directions. I'll get there. Let me tell you, this can be a very, very bumpy ride. I'm going to come upon woods that I'm not going to be able to to get through. I'm going to get a farmer chasing me, probably with a gun because I'm tearing up his crops. My vehicle isn't designed to be able to get through the fields. There's too many obstacles, not to mention the 200 wind turbines they got in Randolph County now. And you know what's going to happen? Next thing you know, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Because I didn't stay on the path that was designed for me to take. I mean, the highway is my normal route. So I need to get back to the highway. I need to get back to what's normal. And that is where recovery comes in. You see, God designed it for our lives when we get stuck, to get us unstuck and to get us back to normal. And that's where celebrate recovery comes in. Celebrate recovery that we have here every Thursday at 7 o'clock. Did you know that celebrate recovery is in 20,000 churches throughout the world. It's in many prisons throughout the country, including Newcastle. It's the only state-approved prison recovery program in the state of California because of its success rate, because it changes lives, because it restores relationships. Because it brings healing to people's lives. But it's also a program that very few people in the church take part in. Very few people. And I believe that the reason for this is a misconception that the word recovery is only for alcoholics and drug addicts. And I'm telling you, this could not be any further from the truth. It's for hurts, it's for hang-ups, and it's for habits. 
I mean, it is for people that's struggling with alcohol and drugs. It is. But it's also for those that are struggling with food, gambling, divorce, which statistics show is a little over half of us. It's for those who struggle with anger, which I bet contributes to broken relationships about as much as addictions. It's for the person who battles depression. It's for the person who struggles with self-worth. You see, Celebrate Recovery is for anything that is causing you to stumble. Anything that is keeping you from being the person that God has created you to be. I mean, if there is something in your life that's interfering with the particular race, the plan that God has for your life, and it's causing you to trip, and it's causing you to get stuck, then you need recovery. You need recovery. So here's what we're going to be doing today. I'm going to talk about four elements of recovery. And as I go through and I discuss each one, I have someone that is going to come up and they're going to give a brief testimony about how their life has been changed by it. So hopefully, this will give you a rough idea of how Celebrate Recovery works, but it will also let you determine if you think that recovery would be something that would be beneficial and good for you. So the first element of recovery is admit that you struggle. Admit that you struggle. James 3 verse 2 says we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check, meaning nobody is perfect. We all, every one of us, stumble in many ways. And let me tell you, people within the church really seem to struggle with this one. Because we like to, for whatever reason, we like to put on a mask. And we like to act like that we're not having problems. It's like putting on a game face. That game face is pretending that everything is okay. I mean, you're worried about your job. You're worried about your finances. Marriage is about ready to collapse. The kid's smoking dope, but a friend says, how you doing? And we say, fine. Great. God is so good. I've got so much faith. I'm like overflowing in faith. Because we fear that someone may find out that we don't really have it all together. Someone's going to find out that we don't really have the perfect life. And this becomes almost like living a lie. And then we convince ourselves that what we are doing, 
that's contributing to these problems that you know it's not really that big of a deal. I don't really drink that much. I don't really spend that much. I don't really sleep with that many people. And it's this denial that keeps us stuck, like I was talking about earlier. You see, we've veered off the path now at this point. We've veered off the path. And our first step in getting back, our first step in getting back where we need to be, which is God's plan, the one which brings joy, the one which brings happiness, is to take off that mask. You take it off and you admit that there is an issue. I want to bring up to the stage someone that can testify that with admission comes freedom. Would you please welcome John to the stage? Good morning. Um, my name is John. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with pornography. Hey, John. Hi. I'll give you some statistics from a couple of 2014 surveys of men professing to be Christian Christians. Um, this revealed that 53% of promise keeper men viewed porn the week prior to taking a survey about porn. And 36% of Christian men view porn once a day. I'm not alone in my struggles. But we men, we hide our secret lives. We hide behind that mask that Chuck speaks about. I was one that had, I had it all together. Three years ago, my life was spiraling out of control. I took a job in Muncie. I was preparing to move my family here. I was working during the day and viewing porn and buying into the lies of Satan at night. That lie that I deserved to experience this fantasy. I was searching the internet and Craigslist. I was even so addicted that I was viewing these sites once my family moved to Muncie. I'd bought into this lie and it was now controlling me. Second Peter 2.19 tells us, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of destructive habits. For a man is a slave of anything that conquered him. I had been conquered. I was in stuck in an addictive cycle. My wife, she found some links on the home computer, researched my computer activity, and then confronted me. I initially denied all of this, especially out of embarrassment. But she was persistent, thank God. And I saw myself losing my family and my life. The one thing that I valued the most, my family, I had hurt the deepest and was so close to losing them. I came clean. I disclosed all of my activities with my wife in March of 2014. New Life Ministries was conducting an Every Man's Battle Conference the first weekend in April. 2014. This was just three weeks from my disclosure. God was still in control. EMB is a conference for men 
who struggle with sexual purity. How could this all happen? It was right here for me to go to. After this EMB conference, I knew I needed a face-to-face accountability group to help me be successful in my initial steps of recovery. I found Celebrate Recovery, which JAR fully supports. CR is a place where I can be real about my life struggles. There's a group of men that were for me and to hold me accountable in love, to give me back to who God created me to be, and to do what God created me to do for his kingdom. I am his work in progress, and one of those steps is today, being here, to share with you how God can help, love, and give you the strength you need to face your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Thank you. Thank you, John. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. I will give you back your health again and heal your wounds. Friends, it all starts with admitting that something is not right. No matter how big or small someone thinks that something is, if it's interfering with your health, with your relationships, or with your happiness then it's a problem. The second element of recovery, surround yourselves with the right people. Surround yourself with the right people. Anyone remember the name Jessica McClure? She was the 18-month-old girl from Midland, Texas, who fell in a deep abandoned well pipe in 1987. Baby Jessica, the world came to know her. And about 400 people took part in her 58-hour rescue attempt, which was spurred on by her cries of anguish that could be clearly heard at ground level through the pipe. Now, I find it fascinating that at one point, a very critical decision was made. The rescuers decided that this rescue was going to have to go in two phases. And phase one was to simply get somebody down there next to her as soon as possible. And then phase two was to actually extract her out of the well. So phase one was driven by the knowledge that people tend to do and think strange things when they're trapped alone in a dark, scary place for long periods of time. So the experts decided they needed to get a person down there to be with her as soon as possible. Then they would turn their attention on how to get her out of the well. And the plan worked. Eventually, baby Jessica was rescued. And here's the thing. Recovery works the same way. Recovery works the same way. 
Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10. Two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone, there is no one to help him. Two men can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. When you're hurting, when you're facing a struggle, when you're going through a rough season... You need to have others around you. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people. You don't need to be around people that's going to judge you. You don't need to be around people that are going to think that they're better than you are. You need to be around a community that has taken off their masks. Romans 15, verse 7, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I'd like to welcome Jamie to the stage, and he is going to share with us how this second element of recovery changed his life. Would you give a hand to Jamie? There are a lot more people there than there were for the first celebration. (laughs) Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with codependency. Hey, Jamie. Hi. When I first attended Celebrate Recovery, I actually went to support someone else. I mean, I didn't need recovery. I had my life totally together. I have a thriving dental practice, a wife and family who love me and who are healthy. What could I possibly have to work on? After a few weeks of hearing the teachings and testimonies about life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits, it became apparent to me that recovery was not just about addictions. I, in fact, was in need of recovery. As perfect as I had convinced myself that my life was, I had something that I needed to work on. You see, I came to realize that I was, in fact, a codependent. Not only do I have a strong need to be in control, not just of myself, but of those people around me, but I also am a world-class enabler. I have allowed situations around me to go on for far too long because either I did not want to deal with the issue or I was too embarrassed to admit there was an issue. And now, after having been in Celebrate Recovery, I'm realizing that I don't have to live that way. I can faithfully give that person up to God and allow him to do the healing. And guess what? I've had healing too. This program has honestly changed my life. Not only is it like a midweek church service for me where I get my spiritual tank filled, but it's also where I get more of God's word and I get incredible, amazing, motivating worship music. Did I do that right? Yes, thank you. (laughs) But probably the biggest thing I've gained is a community of people who inspire me to be the best that I can be. As I have attended the JAR, I've had a lot of people come up here and give testimonies about the value of a small group and what it means to be in a small group. Well, for me, Celebrate Recovery is my small group. And the people who attend Celebrate Recovery have become a part of my family. Almost every night, I will receive a text from my accountability partner asking me if I have honored God that day. 
you would be amazed how the knowledge that that text is going to come in will help you to shape your decisions throughout the day. That's accountability. That's how you grow in Christ. And you only get that from being surrounded by the right people, by godly people. Proverbs 27:17 tells us, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Celebrate recovery and my accountability partner have definitely sharpened my walk with Christ. I know one of the hardest things for me about Celebrate Recovery was the walk from the parking lot to the doorway. So I'll make a pledge to each person here. If you will contact me, I will be glad to meet you in the lobby or in the parking lot, and I will walk in with you so it doesn't have to be so intimidating. Secondly, I'd like to point out we do have a Celebrate Recovery at the JAR Facebook page where I try to keep up with postings about things that are happening in Celebrate Recovery. So if you're so inclined, please take a moment and look at that, and uh, maybe you'll gain some insight as to what it is we do on Thursday nights. And Hopefully I'll see each of you there. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thanks, Jamie, for sharing. You see, for recovery to happen, you need to surround yourselves with people you can trust, with people that, with whom you can share, and people with whom you can grow. The third element of recovery, find the root of the issue. Find the root of the issue. Romans 7 verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. There's usually a reason that someone talks or acts in a certain way. An underlying reason. Maybe something from childhood. A family where you, you had to be perfect. Or maybe where you were always put down and told that you couldn't do this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now, every time you go to do something, there's still that voice that's in your head saying, you're not going to be able to do it. You can't do this. There's a reason why some people jump from bad relationship to bad relationship, and they, and they just fear being by themselves, and they just settle for whoever they get. Because they don't think they can get anybody better. There's always a reason we do what we do. All bad fruit has a bad root underneath it. See, that's what Jesus taught us in Matthew 7 when he says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. If we just pull the weeds out of the garden, they're going to come back. You've got to get down there. You've got to get the roots and you've got to pull the roots out. And that's what we do in recovery. We find the root of the problem. We find that issue that's causing problems in your life. Then you put good soil around it. And then you get good fruit. Our next speaker is a pastor here at the JAR as well as an elder. Would you welcome Abby to the stage?
Well, hi, my name is Abby, and I am a grateful follower of Jesus Christ. I've experienced significant healing from the effects of childhood sexual abuse and have also made huge strides in my codependency. I, and, and while I did relapse with uh, my binge eating on sweets, I'm committed to reestablishing my sobriety in that area as well. Um, I mentioned that I struggle with codependency, and I know Jamie talked a little bit about that as well. But for some of you that may not know what codependency is, let me tell you just a little bit. A person with codependency um, gets their sense of self-worth through helping other people. Um, It's dependent upon their opinion of them. And for me, I struggled with a low self-esteem and desperately needed the approval of other people to the point that I developed a lot of people-pleasing behaviors. In addition, I often met my need for validation and approval by helping people and rescuing them. I didn't know how to say no and often felt used or taken advantage of because I couldn't set boundaries. Those were all symptoms of my codependency, behaviors or character defects as we refer to them in CR. I think my low self-esteem was the cause of many of those behaviors, but for true and lasting healing, I had to discover the source or the root of my poor self-image. I discovered one of those roots when I finally began dealing with my sexual abuse as a child because it had created a deep sense of shame in the very core of my being. I also grew up in a family that had high expectations and with a father that could be very loving and kind at one moment and angry uh, and raging the next. I tried very hard to not be the source or target of his anger. And though I always knew that I was loved, It often felt conditioned on my behavior and my performance. And you know, that's how I eventually learned to view my relationship with God as well. I worked hard to earn or at least be worthy of his love. But you know, the truth is, we can never earn God's love. Because God, in his very essence, is love. It's who he is. And he loves us just by who he is. He loves us regardless of what we do or don't do. And so it was in discovering this truth and then pulling out the roots of some of those poor behavior patterns of mine that healing began. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Abby. So we've discussed three elements of recovery so far, and all three have been inward-focused. Admitting that we have issues, getting the right people around us, and finding the root of our problems. So now on the fourth element of recovery, our focus goes outward. Number four is reach out to others. Reach out to others. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. See, this is step 12 of the 12 steps of recovery. And at this point... If you've worked the steps, God has done amazing things in your life. And now you want to help others be able to find the same freedom. 
It's about putting faith into action. It's an opportunity to be able to share our experiences and our victories and our hopes with others. Four people's chosen to do this today by sharing parts of their testimony. They're saying, hey, this worked for me. It worked for me and it can work for you. I mean, if you want someone to see what Christ will do for them, you have to let them see what Christ has done for you. There is no one that does this better than my next and last guest of the day. Would you please welcome a lady that's made reaching out to others a part of her life. Let's give a hand to Diane. Hello, my name is Diane. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with grief and anger. Hey, Diane. Of all the ways that I could talk about Celebrate Recovery and how it's changed my life, and there's a lot of ways I could talk about it because he's done some amazing things, I'm going to focus on this one thing, and it has been my greatest gift that God has ever given me. There's a step at Celebrate Recovery where you're made to ask to make amends or to offer forgiveness to those you've harmed or to those who have harmed you. It's a way of coming clean. So much of my hurt and my anger was due to my relationship with my daughter. So it was during this part of my recovery that I was able to sit down and throw everything out on the table and talk to my daughter. As I worked the steps, she worked them with me. So we made amends. We forgave each other for all the wrongs that we both have done. And we became completely clean. We became transparent with each other. And it was the most healing moment in my life. And I believe that God restored our relationship. We came clean. There was no ill feelings. There was no would have, could have, or should have. My relationship with my daughter became bigger and better than I could ever hope for. And I believe God allowed that to happen because he knew in just a few short months that he was going to call my daughter home to heaven. And when that happened, there was no regret. There was nothing unsaid. We were able to make a peace. I was at peace with my daughter. And God did this through Celebrate Recovery. And that's why I'm so passionate about this program. That's why I want to reach out to other people. It's because I want each and every one of you to experience what I have experienced with Jesus Christ. You don't have to be chained by your fears, your anxiety, your depression, or your addiction. You don't have to have a broken relationship with your mother, your child. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Let us give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merciful Father, the God from whom all help comes. He helps us in our trouble so that we are able to help those who have all kinds of trouble 
using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. You see, I believe that we each and every one of us live in a lost and dying world. Hurting people hurt people. We all have hurts. We've all made mistakes. We all have regrets. And I think that is keeping us from the deeper relationship that God wants for each and every one of you, and myself included. I can't tell you what I think you need. I can only tell you what God's done in my life. And because of Celebrate Recovery, my relationship with Jesus Christ is bigger and better than it's ever been in my life. And it's because of him I get up each and every day hoping that he'll put somebody in my life that I can share about Celebrate Recovery. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Diane. Friends, no one has to be stuck. No one. Your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you start. And if you're struggling with something, if there is something in your life that's causing you problems, health, relational, financial, whatever it is. Man, let this beginning of this new year, let this be a new year of of change for you. You don't have to just accept things. You know, you don't have to just get by. See, you can get back to that particular race that unique plan that God has for your life, the one that's filled with happiness, the one that's filled with joy. I mean, you can do more than just make a full recovery. You can push beyond it this year. You can prosper. Man, this can be your year. If you're single, this can be the year that you're able to work on you. You become the kind of person that you want to be able to find. Once you realize your worth, you won't settle for just anyone. Christ will show you what you deserve. And then that's what you're going to expect. Man, this can be the year that whatever hurts... Whatever hang-ups, whatever habits may be holding you down, may be keeping you from being who God created you to be, something that may be keeping you from doing what God has created you to do. This can be the year that chains are snapped. Man, mountains are moved. Seas are parted. Man, this can be the year that your marriage is strengthened. Change really takes place in your in your household and relationships are stored and healings taking place in your families. Man, 
this can be your year. I'm telling you, freedom is found in this program. Because freedom is found in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, happiness and joy are yours for the taking. It's only steps away. Twelve steps. I want to invite you to stand. You know, the way we're going to close today is by the reading of the serenity prayer. And a lot of people know the first part of this prayer because it's done in a lot of recovery programs and you also, you see it on plaques and you see it on pictures. But most people have never heard the entire prayer. And we recite this every week at Celebrate Recovery. So I just want you to follow along as I lead us in praying this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. There's going to be a prayer team up here if anybody needs prayer for anything. If anybody wants to hear more about Celebrate Recovery, the people that have spoken, and myself as well, will be up here. Uh, Have an amazing week.